Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 71 of the PDH Pod, the one and only Magic the Gathering podcast dedicated to the total exploration of the Pauper Commander format. I am your host, Brad Drack V, and let's see what my co-hosts from the East Coast are up to this week. First up, Dave the Octodron Vader. How's it going? Pretty well. Uh, I'm still, like, busy with everything all the time, but I'm like, I'm not... <laughs> everything all the time, everywhere. Everything everywhere, all at once. Um... Yes, that's it. I, I'm i not less busy. I'm just sort of, like, getting used to it now and, like, very yeah. very deliberately, like, taking time, just carving time out of my schedule and being like, nope, this is for me. People are like, hey, can you do it? I'm like, no, I can't. <laughs> like, I'm busy. Nope, sorry. I'm busy during that two-hour block of time on Tuesday afternoon. Like, oh, what are you doing? I'm like, nothing. <laughs> not a damn Stop thing. Stop asking. <laughs> that's um, right. So, yeah, that's good. I, uh... We're doing all right. I think that... Good deal. Yeah, you, you sound a little less exhausted than last yes, week. Yes, I am a little less exhausted than last week. Like, I still, like... My weekends are still crazy. Like, a week and a half ago weekend, my my in-laws were here. And then last weekend, my other in-laws were here. Because uh, mm-hmm. I, I have several sets of in-laws. Uh, hashtag right. poly <laughs> challenges. <laughs> but like it was it was good to see them and then this coming weekend i'm doing an event uh for a local community organization where we we take a local church and we uh decorate the whole thing to look like hogwarts we just completely cover it top to bottom and like halloween stuff including a bunch of like oh, wow. skulls and like stuff that like stuff that you know if if, if you if you bring to mind the image of a church, you would think of a lot of this stuff as like antithetical to that image. the mm. The pastor of this church is sure. super chill. He's when when this thing started, she was super fun, and uh, she she has since retired. But uh, all the all the pastors we've had since then at this building are also super chill about it. And then we uh, a bunch of people dress up as Harry Potter characters, and then they go through like a set of. There's like a sorting ceremony, and then they go through a set of classes where everyone does this 15-minute spiel and like tricks the kids into thinking they're doing magic with their wands. And then uh, <laughs> there's a great feast afterwards. Naturally. So, nice. yeah, I've been doing this for about, this is going to be my 11th, 12th year doing this. Oh, and wow. I, nice. I historically play the bad guy, which is super fun. Nice. It's a lot of work, but I'm... And yeah, the, the like, next uh, several weekends very, are sounds very rewarding. Also busy, although the weekend after this, like this is the last like super busy weekend I have. The weekend after this mm-hmm. is going to be busy because I'm commentating a sanctuary tournament. Oh, More yeah. on that later. I'm super It'll excited about that. I'm going to pass things back yeah, to uh, you and Liam because I've talked for a while. <laughs> for a while. All right. Uh, next up, as usual, is our resident PDH PhD, Liam. How was your week? Are you doing uh, Harry Potter stuff as well? Uh, funnily enough, uh, <laughs> next next week, uh, Halloween, uh, I, I got confirmation today from the admin team at my school that teachers uh, or building staff will be permitted to dress up in Halloween garb as long as it is still professionally appropriate. Sure. And that we are not 
to tell students that they are allowed to dress up because last year that did not go well. Oh, was it a disaster? It was a dress code disaster. Oh, no. Yeah, so no costumes for kids, but costumes for adults <laughs> are allowed. And my costume, as it was for the last three years, is that of a Hogwarts professor. Uh, so, nice. yeah, it is, funnily enough, uh, Harry Potter related. Look at that. If I'm being honest with the crowd right now uh my house is slytherin so yeah sorry guys <laughs> but also not sorry you can add him about yeah, that all you want also not sorry and i won't listen to your ads see there's the slytherin <laughs> um <laughs> but yeah no i'm i'm super happy and and yeah the the carving out personal time has has been fairly easy this year uh, i know it's a big challenge for, for teachers especially new teachers but uh, at the beginning of the year when we had our like, little teacher week right before the kids came back, uh, one of the things the principal said, and, and it was in her PowerPoint that was recorded and then later distributed to teachers, was that she was notifying all parents that teach, of, of teacher contract hours and that we were not obligated to communicate back outside of those hours and that we were also not obligated to communicate with other building staff outside of those hours. So I have that recording. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, proof. And if at any point anyone's like, "Hey, I can't get a hold of you on weekends," I'd be like, "That's because my laptop's at school." Um, <laughs> yeah, there's no obligation there's, here, buddy. Yeah, I. Uh, sorry, you know the the county implemented like two factor authentication this year, which mm -hmm. means that I can't log into my school account on personal devices unless I do some kind of like multi factor authentication with my phone, and yeah. You know, that it makes sense. I mean, it makes perfect cybersecurity sense. You know, it's where my background is. I get it. But my personal thoughts on that is like, unless you provide me with a phone to get that text on, uh, if, if I'm happening. not on your network, I'm not doing work. I'm t <laughs> that's how it's going to be. Uh -huh. So, yeah, it's 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 been a very nice, easy way to create that work life balance, especially as a first nice. year teacher. It's. It's kept me sane. It sounds like it's going smoothly, swimmingly, so, as they say. So far. <laughs> so far, we'll so see. good. Awesome. Glad to hear you guys are doing well. It's always a good time. Uh, what are we doing here? We're going to move on to some housekeeping before we get into the main topic for this week. Uh, as usual, if you like the show and you like what we're doing here, consider supporting us over on Patreon at patreon.com slash the PDH pod. By being a patron, you get access to the pre-show, which is... Um, Roughly almost a full-length uh, episode of just sort of casual conversation every week that gets uh, put up on Patreon. We just sort of chat about whatever comes up. Usually show notes, uh, extra stuff. Dual Decks this week was a was a hot topic on the pre-show, so uh, check that out for sure. Uh, you also get early access to the episode before it goes live. I usually post it there the night before along with the show notes for the episode. So if you wanted to, you could follow along with what we're talking about. And then finally, uh, you get access to the PDH Pod super secret Discord server where you can chat with the crew and get help with your decks and all that kind of good stuff. Check out the previews. Talk about um, annoyances you have with the game in certain universes beyond sets, you know, stuff like that. Uh, lastly, you can check out the YouTube channel and our Twitch channel. We are the PDH Pod over on both of those platforms as well. And the latter is where I stream Spelltable PDH every Saturday evening at roughly 5 p.m. Uh, Central Standard Time. So uh, I think I cleaned house pretty well there. Liam, what do you got for this week? This week has been a whole trip and a half. 
Uh, so we left you off on Wednesday, which was the 18th. 18th sounds right. We're going to say mm-hmm. it was Wednesday the 18th. Uh, on Thursday the 19th, last week, we got a first look at Magic the Gathering crossover with Fallout, the EDH decks that are coming out on March 8th of 2024. The following day, on Friday, uh, that would have been the 20th, mm-hmm. we got the whole Ixalan story dropped all at once. Yeah, all at once. Uh, it's a little yep. strange. I, I know this is in response <laughs> to players saying the story felt slow, but I don't think they wanted all six episodes at once either. <laughs> right, right. In, I, the, the slow comment comes from, like, you know, day one of story, they would drop the main episode for number one. And, like, the second day of story would be, like, two side stories. And then day three would be, like, one side story followed up by episode two of the main story a little bit later in the day. And then day four would be, like, two more side stories. So, like, the, there were a lot of side stories, which were nice. But, like, there was a lot. And and the actual main yeah. story was, was, like, every other, every third day. So it took, like, two, two weeks to get through it. Mm-hmm. I don't think players wanted the whole story dropped at once. I think it was like, hey, we would like, you no, know, they like being eased into I, it. Not, we not, want like the main yeah. story like daily for a week. Like that's what we want. Um, yeah. yeah. So so I'm not sure how to like I'm not sure how well this went over. I guess we'll find out in the future. Turns out if they keep doing it, I guess people liked it. Yes. Yes. I, I if they keep doing it, who knows? Right. Turns out <laughs> despite the deluge of products that we that we are getting, uh, which is the coast employees still get weekends off because there was nothing a Saturday and Sunday. Uh, Monday, there was a surprise announcement that Magic will be doing a crossover with Marvel, uh, like Marvel Comics, uh, and yeah. that release is sometime in late 2025, and that is all they can tell us. So, and that's a that's a big one too, right? It's, it's going to be like a Lord of the Rings style, oh, like it's, tentpole it's gonna be release. Bigger, like the exact language they used in the announcement was like the first of the tentpole releases for Magic X Marvel will be in 2025, and it's like oh, the first what, of many. yeah. It's like, what do you mean by the first? Like yeah, ah, um. So yeah, so that'll be interesting to see in two years. Uh, and then on Tuesday, yesterday, we had previews for Ixalan launch. Uh, there was a lot in there. You can go onto YouTube and 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 take a look at that like fifty-five minute, one hour long uh, vod. But the biggest thing to come out of this is validation from last week, where I was kind of like guessing if there would be a secret varsity super drop because we had a super drop last month and we had a super drop this month. Uh, turns out there will be because they mentioned right. a. They, they they very quickly mentioned it. It was like 30 seconds. They were like, oh, yeah, you know, here is a, a second Dr. Ian Malcolm card that's just been an Atla Polani card skinned as uh, Dr. Ian Malcolm. <laughs> and it'll right. be part of the uh, Jurassic World's secret layer, which is part of the secret Varsary super drop. Oh, and, he, you know, going on, here's, here's the next thing. It's like, okay, cool. Casual, you know, casually saying that there's going to be three super drops three months in a row. And then today, <laughs> Ixlan previews continued. And... Uh, they've yep. been pretty solid so far. I, I, I'm yeah. So far, so good. I'm enjoying the the new the new look, the new feel of Ixalan. It definitely feels like kind of like Ixalan, but also kind of not, which is how the set was designed. Right? It was first and foremost designed as an underground adventure set that they skinned right. as Ixalan, and it kind of feels that way. It kind of feels like a, a a fresh take on something that was mostly successful but had some hiccups in its first execution 
so I'm 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 glad. I'm I'm hoping that Ixalan gets a a a new uh life to it, a, a new breath and and we can come back in the in the near future because I I enjoy the the feel of Ixalan. I enjoy the artwork a lot. So, yeah. yeah, I do too. And like for better or for worse, this has a different power level feel to it. I mean, yeah, it, the the original Ixalan block was <laughs> pretty pretty weak in terms of power. Um <laughs> So that was one of the issues with it. And there were there were a couple of What are you talking about? It had Colossal Dreadmaw twice. I mean it's twice. You're not wrong. Even. I don't understand this weak in power. Like if the list started and ended there, like it would be a great set. Yeah, I mean I don't know if you can argue with that. I mean I checkmate vampires. Checkmate. I, I honestly, my favorite part of the original Ixalan block was how they had a sort of kind of voting system to decide which faction won the day. I I yeah. really enjoyed I don't know if you guys remember, but there was a, they, they released globally all of these geocaching tokens. And. Oh, I vaguely uh-huh. remember that. They, yep. So so they released all these geocaching tokens. I, I've got a Merfolk one somewhere around here, but they, they released all these geocaching tokens and basically like. There was there was two forms that a faction could get votes. Uh, one form was like actually physically going online and like voting with your IP address, and and that was you know casting a vote. But the other form was uh, at the end of voting, when when the when the online form closed, they would take a look at where all the geocaching tokens like were, and and you know add votes based on the mileage that the tokens had traveled, uh, and so so like that got extra votes on on some of the factions and i i remember that like Merfolk and and the sun empire were like neck and neck and then the the geocache votes pushed the sun empire up so i i really liked that and i'm i'm kind of hoping we see something kind of like that again so yeah something semi interactive like that <laughs> i mean it's it can't affect yeah, the story because cool. the whole story's been dropped but right yeah, right i would love to see something like that again that was that was great yeah that would be pretty cool all right. Well, thank you for that. Uh, time to move on to the main topic. This week, we are continuing our beloved 3x3 series with a uh, with a trifecta, if you will, of completely different but ultimately fan-favorite decks. Those would be Tron, Storm, and Infect. And of course, by fan-favorite, I mean sometimes utterly grown-worthy and usually awful to play against. So I, this would be a fun episode. This this got called the trifecta when we were like kind of brainstorming ideas for it. I feel like the better the better name for these three cuz cuz this is absolutely the villain arc. I think yes. instead of trifecta maybe we should have called it the axis of evil. <gasps> oh my where was that? I love it. Yep, let's do that. Okay. I'm three I'm going to change the show notes. Axis of evil. Right. right now. I'm changing my deckless name. <laughs> Uh, the PDH Pod <laughs> Pipe Episode Seventy One Dash Three by Three. The Axis. What is the plural for Axis? Is it A-X-S? Axes? Axes. Axes. But uh, but I mean, if we're if we're going with the World War Two reference, it was just called the Axis. Okay. Yeah. The Axis. So we are continuing our beloved Three by Three series with a. Axis of an uh, exploration into the axis of evil, yes. like how how is okay? Well, awesome. yeah, so, I mean, well, we we picked like the three most egregious, <laughs> like terrible uh, archetypes, and and we all made a deck around them. We certainly did. Yeah, I mean, and now y'all get to hear about it. There's a couple more archetypes that that could have been considered, but but we we 
I think these three like embody this topic the best. Sure, at least in I do too. And you can't have an axis of evil without some sort of well evil powerful presence, and you can't have a three by three without pillars. So, Dave, do we got some pillars this week? We do. We have so. Uh... None of these decks have anything to do with each other, except Correct. except that they're evil, and that this is the villain arc. Uh, mechanically, there's basically no overlap. So as as we've done in the past when we've you know compared three decks that don't have a lot of mechanical overlap, we've tried to like really uh, reduce these pillars down to just the the basic fundamental like what should a deck be doing in a game. And we're all going to talk about different things. But the, the, the four basic pillars we're going to come up with for this are... Pillar one is how are you going to accomplish and enable the thing? Mm-hmm. Pillar two is going to be how are you going to profit from the thing? How are you going to leverage your use of the thing into a, a really good board state or, or a game win? Or, a, a, you know, how are you going to le- leverage that into accomplishing things in the game of magic yep uh pillar three as always how to not run a gas pillar four as always how to not die those are already super generic those are already things that every deck should be doing uh we're just we're just toning down pillars one and two not very specific but i think no not very specific but i think they work well here yeah yeah we're gonna accomplish things we're gonna leverage those things we're gonna not run out of gas and we're gonna not die uh, and I think we, uh, before we start breaking down the decks, I think we need to tell the people what decks we actually chose. Oh, Liam, absolutely. Which, which, which of the which of the axis of evil are you on this week? I have been assigned Tron. <laughs> assigned, and he says, like he's assigned. not really enthusiastic about Tron. <laughs> assigned as in I chose, I chose yep. Tron. It it is a different take. Uh, typically, Tron is colorless ish. Uh, if you do add a color, it tends to be green. Yep. When I was looking, green didn't actually have a lot of pieces that like really supported Tron. Because uh, it turns out the only real way that we have to get a non-basic land out of the deck is Expedition Map. Uh, and, and green doesn't... Uh, there's like crop rotation, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. But like, yeah. <laughs> you know, you can't tutor for crop rotation. So at least not right. in green. So I was like, yeah, let's try green-blue. And then I was like, eh, Simic sounds garbage. It's, it's like, unoriginal, un, uh, unimaginative. So I was like, well, let, what if we do... Right, and Simic, like, has, Simic can ramp really well by itself anyway. Right, right. So I was like, that's, that's kind of boring. Uh, so I, I investigated around with commanders a little bit, specifically commanders that could, like, tutor. Uh, and I came across Disciple of Deceit. Ooh. So... Usually a combo commander. Uh, usually a combo commander. Not the case. Like I left all the combo pieces out. Mm-hmm. Well, I I left ninety nine percent of the combo pieces out. I kept title boar because <laughs> it untaps things. <laughs> but, right. but yeah, there are no infinites in the deck. So yeah, I'll g- I'll give you more details later. I'll let my uh my partners in in crime here tell you tell you more about their decks. Cool. Uh, Dave, are you running Infect or Storm this week? What do you got? I am running Storm, and I'm not even sorry about it. Uh, <laughs> not with, with this deck, I don't think you can be sorry about it. There's no Damn. room to be sorry about it. <laughs> it's it's just it's just all gasoline all the time. There's no there's yep. no stopping to think or steer. Um, <laughs> yeah, like it's you just. 
you put a cinder block on the gas pedal and uh, you rip the steering wheel out of the vehicle so that you can fit in more cinder blocks. That's the uh, yep. how the deck That's goes. Um, Makes sense. I've I've been a big fan of Storm for a long time. Like I like the idea of Storm. Uh, for for ages and ages, doing Storm in Pauper EDH was more or less impossible. There's just so few Storm commons. Uh, right. Like you get, there are combos you can execute for which the the payoff is a grape shot, but that feels more like a combo deck and not a storm deck. Uh, for yes. a long time, lots of people in the communities would use the word storm to mean spell slinger, and that mm -hmm. deeply confused me for ages because some some guy was <laughs> like, "This is my mono blue storm deck," and I was like, "You're not even running temporal fissure. Like, there's literally Same, nothing in your deck yeah. with the word storm on it. What are you talking about, <laughs> you psychopath?" What does, what does the word storm mean to you? And he's like, I'm going to cast spells. I'm like, that's okay. That's, spell <laughs> that's, not, that's not what that word means. But like, <laughs> in that I'm vein... I'm going to play magic. This is my Orzhov <laughs> storm deck. <laughs> uh, I, in that vein, I, I have been I a big fan of decks... Oh, go no, ahead. Keep going. I have been a big fan of decks that just do a lot of spell casting. This, the classic spell slinger deck is super fun to me. I think... Sure. There's only one deck in Pauper right now that really embodies the storminess, and it's because there is a storm-adjacent mechanic printed directly on the commander itself, and that card is Noise Marine. Yep. Noise Marine is from the 40k sets. We have a mono-red 5-mana, 3-2. First ability is Cascade. So Love it. He, by himself, is two cards two spells cast this turn which is nice second ability is when he enters the battlefield which happens after the cascade is resolved which is relevant yep. uh when he enters the battlefield he gets to do damage to any target equal to the number of spells you've cast this turn so it's not exactly a storm count because it doesn't count and anyone then, else's spells but it is for anyone unfamiliar with this deck that may sound like okay i'll like bolt somebody every turn no <laughs> oh, it's like no, no, you're no, no, no. septuple <laughs> bolting people the last time i played this deck i had a turn where i cast noise marine three times for a total of 33 damage <laughs> noise marine was spells number eight ten and twelve yep yep and because of the cascade, that meant that he dealt 9, 11, and 13 damage. Mm. Yep. And this is one of those decks that I only trust you to play it because <laughs> there's so much math involved. There's so <laughs> much math. Okay, maybe there's a little steering, but uh, <laughs> mostly the steering is just doing calculations in the background while the deck plays itself. Yep. Uh, yeah. So we're going to noise marine people. Uh, it's basically grape shot in the command zone with cascade attached. Yep. And that's all yep, I've ever wanted some reason. out of uh, yep. Red Commander. I love it. And I love watching you play it. It's a very cool <laughs> deck. And, and you're right. It's the only one we have like that in the command zone. And Moxfield mm. reflects it because there's only one <laughs> Noise Marine deck on Moxfield. Right now, it's, it's just me. <laughs> oh, excellent. What, what are you playing, Brad? What's What's left? What's left by default? Uh, I have Infect, which I... Hmm... I like Infect. I I'm glad that Infect is in the game. That that is it is part of Magic. I like, you know, that it sometimes takes down tournaments and can sometimes you know show up out of nowhere to spike an event or what have you. I don't even really necessarily mind playing against Infect, but it is one of those. If if you're having any sort of like 
mentally uh, weak or emotionally, you know, fragile days as it is, and you sit down against an infect deck, it will ruin your night. Like it will just, it will, uh, it has that effect on you. So I chose infect, and like you said, we sort of start started talking about this episode a while ago. I feel like a couple months ago, and I was like, cool, infect. I'm gonna do flux channeler, bingo, bango, done. Like easy peasy. And then this morning I was thinking, I'm like, ah, that just sort of seems like the easy way out. Like, obviously it's flux channeler. Like if you want, if you're just in love with infect and you want it to be competitive at all, or have a a decent win rate or something like that, you're going to go with flux channeler and just spell sling infect everyone out of the table. I didn't really want to do that. Like it sounds fun. Probably at some point I will play a Flux Channeler deck because I do enjoy that creature quite a bit. But I've been on such a... It's like a Storm deck, right? Yeah, it it must be because there's so many spells in it. Okay, yeah. And and lands, so it's got to be a Storm deck. Yeah, that's exactly what Storm... Yeah, good. Right. Yep. Uh, Yeah, so I've been on such a Golgari kick like the last... I feel like most of the summer and up until now I've just been thinking about Golgari and brewing Golgari and playing Golgari decks. And uh, so naturally I just... um, I went ahead and picked ne- Necrogen Rot Priest from All Will Be One. It's the four mana one five, gigantic thick butt for some so reason. So much butt, <laughs> so much butt. Uh, the Phyrexian Zombie Cleric, awesome creature type with Toxic Two, and whenever a creature you, uh, every, whenever a creature you control with Toxic deals damage to a player, they get an additional poison counter. So that's pretty sweet right there. And then you can pay some mana and give one of your toxic creatures death touch until the end of turn. That'll be relevant here and there, but um, mostly I just like it. It's going to play... You know, I get to build it the way I build a lot of my Golgari decks, with which is just a handful of cool creatures that I like. Some combat tricks, some removal spells, and like, let's go at it. But Infect takes a little bit... Uh, a different strategy than just a rock deck or just a creature deck, if you will. So I'm pretty uh, excited to get into it. Me too. Me too. Before Me before we get into it, I think we have to... Yes. What's the Yargle? <gasps> we have literally not discussed this yet. I, I was saving it for this moment so that I could... <laughs> I wanted this to be uh, live and candid. Oh no, because these are all three like superior members of this Axis of Evil. Yeah, I, I, I feel like it has to be the Demiotron deck. Yeah, I, I, it has that's, to. That's what I, I was yeah. thinking. Because like, like yeah. Golgari like, Infect makes sense. Yeah, and yes. Mono Red Storm makes sense. Yeah, but like just from a yep. pure color perspective, like Demiotron, like what? I was Demiotron is really the shocked. last combination of words you'd expect you you settled on this commander this morning right (laughs) like yeah i'll be real i've been looking at this i've been looking at this three by three that like i was excited about like eight months ago i was like yes this looks exciting because so so last year we did the the four by four with scarecrow for halloween and this year i was like oh Mm -hmm. we got to do like the trifecta like i would i like because we had this conversation like eight months ago that like a three by three of infect or a three by three with storm would be freaking awesome awful so like let's just like combine them all into one and make it like the spooky scary whatever right so can confirm that conversation happened in february yeah so so oh so we we scheduled this like back in february and march and i've had since february march to come up with a deck list for this and it it kept inching closer and closer and i'm like i don't have a deck list so like literally this morning as i'm like 
eating breakfast, I'm sitting there like, what commander am I going to talk about tonight? And I'm like, I'm going through the motions like, yeah, Mono Green still doesn't work. Simic is boring. And then it dawned on me, like, is there a commander that can just tutor for cards? Like, the, of, of the 4,000, there has to be a commander. I don't care how convoluted it is. Is there a commander that just tutors for cards? And here's Disciple of Deceit for you. <laughs> yeah. How did you land specifically on Disciple of Deceit? Like, what did you search in Scryfall to find this one? You know what I mean? Because it doesn't, I, I don't know. Like, So, I, so yeah. I went to Scryfall, and I typed Rarity Uncommon, type Creature, uh, and then I did Oracle Search, Oracle Card, minus Oracle Basic, Oracle Land. Okay, so you broke it down to just the basic framework of the text. Yeah. Okay. So because that was super intriguing, super intriguing that you found a Demir uh, Tron <laughs> commander. Yeah. So so turns out, uh, the only card, the only commander in our format that like straight up like will just let you tutor for like whatever you want is Disciple mm -hmm. of Deceit. Every other commander that tutors for something has some kind of stipulation, whether, usually a card type, sometimes like a, a mana value or a power toughness. But like, sure. Or like you said, a basic land or, or something. Yeah, they'll get like a planes or a basic land. But like, yeah, like yeah. I think the the other there was there was that Rakdos thing that lets you tap it to tutor, but like five things have to die in a ton. And I was just like, I'm not oh, about that life. Like almost. Yeah, that sounds right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Every, like, three or four weeks, I go back to yeah. that one, and I sit and think about it for about an hour, and I'm like, ugh, I was, yeah, I was it. like, <laughs> I was like, that looks like it's harder to brew than Disciple of Deceit. So I went with yeah. Disciple of Deceit. I was I was sure you were going to land on Oriac Salvagers, because see, they can recur Expedition Map. See, I thought about it, but then you mentioned that uh, the Pals have that deck, and I'm like, that's, you know, they, they've got it. I don't need to do that. Uh, so I, I the, was the Pals have that deck, but I, I, I want to add really quickly here, that deck is the arch villain of the Pals studio. Right, but I wanted to, I wanted to talk about something The Salvagers is? Salvagers, yes. Really? Yes. Salvage. When you when you say the word Oriox Salvagers, every every pal within a fifty mile radius of you shivers. <laughs> shivers. They, I, they're they're conditioned. Huh. Yeah. I also, I have to check that out. Uh, was considering Vile in Tuma. It's a commander from Modern Horizons. 2. Oh, is that the one that puts it into your graveyard? Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> nice. I was going to do that, and then uh, Mono nice. Black Tutor for Skatilla. <laughs> well naturally, naturally. Yeah, uh, but that was too many hoops to jump through and i was like yeah I'm like this would be funny but like it really hinges on having scatilla <laughs> yeah you need, like, to, you need to partner vile and tumor with aranus mm. mm -hmm. that's the Ooh. that's okay. that's that's the cheating way if you don't care about the rules yeah <laughs> that's the cheaty way to do it yeah well it, i mean it's tron so you're kind of cheating already just by Basically. archetype alone yeah right. yeah so. that's fair Awesome. Yeah, Thanks I for that, guys. I agree. I I'm gonna vote for Disciple of Deceit as the Demir Tron deck being the Yargo yeah. here. Yep, absolutely. Because yeah, like you, you say infect and like Brad's deck is about what you're imagining. My deck is exactly what you're imagining. Liam's deck yeah. is when Liam rolls up like I'm bringing you a Tron deck. Like you're not thinking about Disciple of Deceit. 
<laughs> Probably the last thing you're thinking That's about. Right. Liam's, Liam's bringing you Shield Sphere and Delif's cone. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's an automatic Yargle vote. When, Here we when you're are. main decking Delif's cone unironically, you're the Yargle. <laughs> Those are the rules. This, I don't make the is, rules. This is paying uh, oh. homage to the original Yargle, Yargle episode where it's like, and Voltron, here we have <laughs> Yorgle. Yorgle. Because reasons. Because <laughs> for reasons. Beautiful. Awesome. All right. If you're uh, the Yorgle, cool. then, Go then you're you're going last. Okay. I can Ooh, do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I can handle uh, that. Brad, you want a rock, paper, scissors? I threw scissors. Well, according to the show notes, you're first. Well, then you have to throw paper because I just threw scissors. Oh, I threw paper. Okay. Yeah, I forgot to good. tell you. I, that's what I did. Perfect. Yep, 100%. Nailed it. So good at this. Uh, Our professionals, professional podcasters. Uh, is there anything else we need to add? Or are we yeeting ourselves into pillar one? Uh, I think we're just doing it. Yeah, go. That's what our decks like to do. We're just yeeting stuff. All right, yeet. Uh, pillar one is how to accomplish the thing. Uh, yep. The thing in a noise brain deck is that you want to have a really big storm count. You want to have lots of spells happening all in the same turn. There's a couple different ways that you're going to accomplish this. Uh, most important thing you need a lot of is burst mana, but you really want to focus on the really high quality burst mana. Um, things like Desperate Ritual is only sort of okay because it only nets you one. Yeah. But it is still in the deck. The, yeah, the, just out of necessity. The right? good stuff is Mana Geyser. <sighs> yep. I have played against Noise Marine where you cast a Mana Geyser. Yeah, that happens. Uh, (laughs) Mana Geyser is kind of crucial for the eye cast Noise Marine three times this turn for 33 damage. If you want that to happen, all all good things start with Mana Geyser. Um, Seething Song is really great. Uh, Mind Goblin, the Unfinity nonsense with a name sticker, Mm, uh, is usually a Seething Song. Sometimes it's a little better than Seething Song. And you can sacrifice it to Ashnod's Altar. So you're going to get a lot of burst mana. That's going to, like, all of those things count as part of your storm count. And then they give you the mana to play the rest of your spells. Because if you cast Noise Marine three times, that costs five plus seven plus nine is 21 mana. So not Mm -hmm. cheap to do the the three spells. No, not at all. Other things you're going to want a lot of is things that you can cast multiple times. Just to, to rack up the storm count that way. The very best of these is Grinning Ignis. Uh, the Ignis is a 3-mana yep. 2-2 two, two that you can pay 1 mana to return to your hand and generate 3 mana. And the mana it generates is exactly as much as you need to cast it. Yep. So you can cast it, pay 1 to put it in your hand and cast it, pay 1 to put it in your hand and cast it. And like as much as you have free mana, you can just it's basically pay a colorless mana to increase your storm count by 1. Uh, yeah, as many yeah, I've times. I've definitely been, just like Mana Geyser, I've definitely been on the opposite end of, uh, yeah. I think I'm going to do the Ingus thing three or four times. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> I mean, if you can if you can Mana Geyser into 22 mana and then spend oh. seven of it on a Grinning Ignis, <laughs> then your yeah. count is already at eight and now you're casting. Yeah, it's nuts. Yeah. Other spells that you get to cast multiple times include things like uh, Electric Revelation is really good. I don't run Stagger Shock, but I'm wondering why that is at this point. Maybe I should be running Stagger Shock, just because it rebounds and gives you a storm count on the next turn as well. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'm not clever enough to chain those things together. That might be too much steering <laughs> involved. That's like shifting and steering. Yeah, there's a lot like, yeah, going on that. in that. 
thing. Yeah. The other part of uh, increasing a storm count that I find really, really satisfying about this deck in particular is trying to find all the different ways that you can get free spells. Mm-hmm. So, like, the Mana Geyser is great for just ratcheting you up immediately into, like, 17 or 18 mana by itself. You want to spend almost all of that on Noise Marines. And, like, if, if you can, like, if you can do the Noise Marine for 5 mana, sacrifice it to a Heartfire, cast it again for 7, that's outstanding. That but is huge, That yeah. costs 14 by itself. <laughs> <laughs> and you want to you want to do that after you have cast a number of other spells. So anything that's free is going to help you out enormously. So mm-hmm. the things here that I classify as free are things like Scorn Effigy is like my favorite of these cards. Uh, it's the Scarecrow from Kaldheim with Foretell yep. of zero. So on yep. a on a setup turn, you spend your two mana to foretell it, and then you just leave it there until you're ready to storm out. And then you just cast it for free as on part of your storm turn. Uh, Rift Bolt is also outstanding for this. You suspend it for one, and then it casts on the next turn. I have Demon Bolt in this category. It doesn't foretell for free. It costs a mana after you foretell it, but it's uh, it's pretty good yeah, after it's been it's foretold. Uh, another flame slash, right? Yeah. Well, it's instant speed yeah. flame slash. Mm, yeah. There you um, go. I sometimes will use it to kill the Noise Marine just so that I can put it back in the command zone and get another cast out of it. Sure. Uh, mm-hmm. Which you, because it's an instant and not just regular Flame Slash, you can do that with Noise Marine's triggered ability on the stack oh, so that it gross. sees the Demon Bolt, deals that extra damage, and then is still dead for you to recast the Noise Marine. <laughs> the other good ones here that are free are Fire Blast, Gut Shot, Mind Claps, and Thunderclap. Uh, these are all burn spells that let you pay Sacrifice Mountains or pay life instead of mana costs, which are good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yep. that, that's how we're going to rack up the Storm Count. We're going to play spells for free. We're going to play a lot of burst mana spells. Things like you know Infernal Plunge is pretty good. Um, some of the burst mana is a little weird, like Reckless Barbarian doesn't really contribute to the storm count. Right. Well, I, I should say, Reckless Barbarian is a two mana 2-2 two, two that you can sacrifice for two mana. So mm-hmm. if you want it to contribute to the storm count, then it's mana neutral and contributes nothing but one free storm count. Right. If you want it to contribute to your mana pool, you have to play it the turn before and then crack it for the two mana on the storm turn. So it's either it can be mana positive on your storm turn if it doesn't count for storm count, or it's mana neutral on your storm turn for plus one storm count. Yeah, so it's a little tricky, but yeah, like now that I'm actually describing this deck, there's a lot more steering than I thought there was. There's a lot more paying well, attention. Clearly, to... you have you have never seen yourself play this deck. <laughs> I, <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> I just kind of don't think about it. I just like do things, and that's what's so impressive about it is because you just play the deck like you've been playing it for twenty years. Like, I you, you just play it, and we're just like, oh my god, this is really happening. I spend a like, this lot is a game of, of magic, time and this is happening right now. Play testing this deck on Moxfield. Uh, Holy cow! Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you I'll have just... like you. Yeah, this is like mono red face burn cascade, all this crazy stuff happening, but like. You can see it as an, as one of your opponents. Like you can see the deck happening. You can see that the cards that you're playing. You're not just like grip it and rip it. Let me see what's on top of the deck. Like you actually have the third cascade of this turn planned out. The fourth cascade planned out. Like you have 
multiple moves ahead on, on your own turn, just completely planned out. And it's it's really impressive, and it's cool that we have a deck that can that can do that. Oh, thank you. It's not just a straight up combo deck. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I I have a lot of fun with it, but yeah, it, it is. Yeah, it is a little more thinking intensive than I think I gave it credit for originally. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a it's a really good time, and that's how we're gonna do storm counts. Yeah, sounds good. I've seen it happen. It works sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. Cascade is a fickle mistress. Yeah, it certainly is. Certainly is. But it's always fun. It's a really good time. All right, what are we doing here? We're on the Rot Priest. Uh, I am nothing like Noise Marine at all. Basically, what I'm trying to do is s sort of like I alluded to earlier, like any Golgari deck, I'm just trying to get a lot of creatures on the board and untap with them so I can swing them at my opponents. So I am trying to get as many of my infecting creatures on the board at the same time as well as keep them around. Like I've played against a few different Rot Priest decks, and not only does does Rot, Rot Priest become a target as soon as it hits the battlefield, but all the infectors, all the creatures become targets. Like, all the opponents just sort of whittle them down to, till they get to the smallest one that's, that's the least threatening. So, um, I just got to figure out a way to keep my creatures alive, get them on board. You know, I'm there's not a whole lot of cheap infectors, but I do have as many as possible in here. You know, I'm starting out with things like Blight Mamba and Blight Belly Rat. You know, some of the two drops into the three drops into the four drops into the five drops. Like, I've, I've got a decent curve here, and every single one of my creatures, I'm only running about two dozen creatures, but every single one of them has Toxic or has Infect, except for Crypt Rats, which, you know, may come into play later as sort of a... Uh, break glass in case of emergency type creature but uh, for the most part every single one of my creatures cares about putting uh, either minus one minus one counters on creatures or poison counters on opponents and i have to keep them alive so what i'm trying to do basically is just the my thing here is ultimately combat damage getting combat damage through but my creatures have to survive for me to do that so i'm gonna have to ramp a little bit to make sure i got mana to keep casting them I've got to hope that I can cast them on curve, you know, not not have a, a turn two with nothing but five drops in my hand. Like, I need to start dropping creatures pretty much as soon as Rot Priest hits the board, if not the turn before then. And then dig for my, or hold on to my protection spells. Um, I'm on the fence about regeneration spells yet, I'm not sure, because... Um, Sometimes those are just one-shots, and are my creatures really worth a whole card of regeneration, yada, 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 that whole thing. But um, I, I, I know from being an opponent of this deck that it is a complete uphill struggle the whole time. And as soon as, soon as the first poison counter gets put on somebody, you become the target. And I, I, that's just that's the nature of Infect. It's not, you know, it's not unique. It's not a unique characterization or characteristic of this particular deck it's just that's what infect does so you just i just have to be prepared for it i have to have a bunch of lovely creatures on board and find ways to protect them because infect is always a huge threat in 1v1 formats and now it's 3v1 when things when it gets you know push comes to shove so um, ultimately my whole thing is creatures and trying to get them through with combat damage and then a whole bunch of proliferate basically that's sort of the it's not even like the fallback option it's just that has to be part of the plan because i have to get 
at least one poison counter on every opponent. You know, that may take me two creatures per opponent. You know, one of them's going to die, or maybe they'll both die, but um, I've got to get that first poison counter over the over the um, the threshold there to the opponent's face. And hopefully my deck will take it from there. But that's pretty much my thing. Liam, what is Demir Tron's thing? Yeah, so Demir Tron is just assembling Tron. Honestly, if I get Tron assembled, mm-hmm. I win. Uh, not... <laughs> not not like I win the game instantly, but like I get the moral victory. Moral victory, absolutely. Exactly. That's what Yargles care about. That's anyway. all they care about is the moral victory. Not yeah. gonna lie, I sat here and and quickly play tested two games. I got Tron assembled on turn sixteen of game one, so like the game's already over. But I just got <laughs> Tron assembled on turn six, so that's pretty interesting. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, had, had a pretty good draw of getting three zero mana artifacts. Didn't, didn't really have to tutor for him. But yeah, no, uh, if I get Tron, it's the moral victory. After that, uh, I hope I draw one of the big beaters to to play with Tron. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's how I accomplish the thing. If if you can assemble Tron, you win. Wait, wait. Tell us how you're going to assemble Tron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, what's your strategy for getting them into your hand? Okay. Because this, this is worthy of mention because it is nuts. It, it's nuts? It is nuts. <laughs> it is nuts. Are you nuts. sure? All right. Yeah. How do you accomplish? We know what the thing is, but how do you get to the thing? How do you accomplish that thing? Yeah. So, Disciple of Deceit. Let's let's start there. Disciple of Deceit sure. reads, if I can find my commander. Uh, Disciple of Deceit reads, uh, blue and a black for a 1-3 creature human rogue. Uh, it has the inspired ability. So, whenever Disciple of Deceit becomes untapped, you may discard a non-land card. If you do... Search a library for a card with the same converted mana cost as that card, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. So, uh, the first step is getting a way for the Disciple to be tapped safely. This comes yes. in the form of like vehicles that you crew with the Disciple, artifacts or auras that, that tap the Disciple for some ability, like, like pinging something, or even just a couple of lands or, or other artifacts that have the the cost of tapping an untapped creature to generate some amount of of mana. Mm-hmm. Never really putting the disciple into combat, only using these abilities to get it to be tapped. The deck does employ a couple of untap effects, uh, but typically you're just going to wait for your for your upkeep for the disciple to become untapped. Yeah. So you get there, and then you're like, well, how do I get Tron lands? Well, lands uh, have a mana value of zero. <laughs> Coincidentally, slick. There are about nine cards that are also common that have a mana value of zero. Uh, if you give me a nine, nine non-land cards. Nine non-land yes. cards, right? So, so once you take out the things, you don't, you don't get to discard Island and fetch Tron. <laughs> you right. have to discard Damn. Everflowing Chalice. Right. So, so, so when you get down to it, it is a Quarter's Shield, Bone Saw, Cathar's Shield, Everflowing Chalice, Lotus Petal. Ornithopter, Spider Silk Net, Tormod's Crypt, Welding Dryer, Herbal Poultice, Fountain of Youth, Phyrexian Walker, uh, Shield Sphere, and Delif's Cone. Delif's Cone! <laughs> Delif's Cone is <laughs> the most how we get interesting card in this deck. It is a zero-mana <laughs> artifact from Fallen Empires. 
God bless uh, Fallen Empires. You can, when has it, you when can, has Wizards ever in done? In your history, in your entire history of playing Magic the Gathering, would you have ever thought that Delos Cone and Tron Lands no. would be look, look, best oh, friends? I've never seen this card before <laughs> today. Okay? So Delos Cone taps oh. and sacrifices uh, for if target creature you control attacks and is not blocked, you may choose to gain its power in life. And if you do, it deals no damage to the opponent this turn. So so yep. the the current oracle text is tap sacrifice this turn when target creature you control attacks and isn't blocked you may gain life equal to its power if you do it assigns no combat damage. So this card yep. is hot garbage. Uh certainly. But you know what it does? It fetches for a Tron land. Yep. You discard it to the disciple to go get a Tron land. The, the nice thing is most of these cards have some utility, right? A quarter shield and cathar shield can help buff toughness so the disciple doesn't die to bolts. Uh, Everflowing Chalice is a mana mm -hmm. rock. Ornithopter, Phyrexian Walker, the blockers. Spider Silknet also boosts toughness. Tormod's Crypt deals with the graveyard. Herbal Poultice can regenerate the disciple in a pinch. Fountain of Youth, if you really want to pay two mana to gain one life and just do a really <laughs> bad repetitive food token, go for it. Uh, welding jar. The, the deck leans into artifacts a bit. You could uh, regenerate an artifact that gets hit with a removal spell. Like, all of these have some utility, except for Delif's Cone. <laughs> well, and you got the Archaeo Mender that, that can get you the Delif's Cone back. Yeah, Archaeo Mender kind of acts as like a four mana, zero mana artifact. So if you've already cycled yep. one of these to the Disciple, then you can get it back to cycle it again. Because there are only 14 of these, so like, they're all in the deck, but I mean, the the one playthrough I just did were turn sixteen. Like, I I was waiting for zero mana artifacts. This is the one that I just did at six turns. I had three zero mana artifacts pop up. So you you are kind of right. relying on RNG a bit. But uh, yeah, I I am unironically playing Fallen Empires cards to get Tron lands into my hand. Not even to the battlefield to my hand that I then play I as my amazing. land drop for the turn. <laughs> this deck's amazing i love it it is I, it really is amazing. honestly i might polish it around the edges a bit and i might build it i might i think it's worth i think it's worth I think a the shot the only thing stopping me is sure. the fact that the deck's like 140 dollars because of like lotus petal <laughs> oh yeah yeah there's that <laughs> there's there's a lot of randomly expensive cards in this deck for no reason yeah oh good stuff Mr. Yargle. All right, Dave, what do you got for uh, Pillar 2? Pillar 2, how are we going to profit from the thing? Basically, my entire payoff is in the command zone. I There's no subtlety here. Uh, once I have a big storm count, like, the the weird thing about calling this a, a storm there are, in Mono Red, in Pauper, there are exactly five storm spells, and one of them is Trash. So, my my storm deck only has four actual storm spells in the deck. The storm yeah. payoff is just noise marine. One, once I have a big storm count, I, I hit a noise marine, and then if I'm lucky, I can hit the noise marine a second time. That's that's the goal. Sometimes you have an Ashnod's Altar in play, because being able to sacrifice the noise marine and get mana out of it so you can immediately recast noise marine is huge. So you have an astronaut's sure. altar in play. Sometimes with an astronaut's altar in play and a storm count of 10, you cascade into empty the warrens. Gross. Beautiful. And you could have 20 <laughs> goblins and like use them to attack next turn and end a game, but you don't. 
you sacrifice all of them immediately for 40 mana, and you noise marine three more times. Right, exactly. Right, like a normal person does. Like um, a rational, sane person. Right, while, while shrieking uncontrollably and frothing at the mouth because you just noise marine four <laughs> times in a turn. Like like a normal yeah, if, person. If you're playing against this deck, make sure you have sleeves because there's going to be spittle and drool just like slinging across the table. Gets messy. I'm not... It gets messy. Yeah, no judgment. It does get messy. Yeah, I... That's that's it. That's the whole like. There's a there's grape shot. There's uh, empty the warrens. Um, scatter shot is honestly pretty bad because it only hits creatures. Like it mm-hmm. wants to be grape shot when it grows up, but it's just not there yet. And uh, sure. yeah. the other storm card is galvanic relay, which just gives you another storm turn on your next turn. Which is pretty gross. If you can, yep. if you can hit a storm count of like eight or nine, and then cascade into the galvanic relay, like, oh, oh yeah. that's money. That's just pure. <laughs> that is money well spent. Cash. That's a big cash money wad in your hands. But yeah, but that's uh, that's it. That's the entire deck. I I love it. I yeah. love it. It's very self-explanatory. Yeah, it just it just does things. It does yep. things so much, and until it stops doing <laughs> so, things, it does things so much. <laughs> so much. Oh. That's awesome. But my pillar two is actually fairly closely related to pillar one and pretty simple as well. Like if my thing from pillar one, if doing my thing is just creatures and hopefully getting at least one of them to connect with an opponent, my my uh, my profit margin here, my how to profit from that thing is literally how do I get that? I have to get them across the finish line. So I'm going to have to um, use effects combat tricks like trample i'm gonna have to use things like um ram through or sylvan might or awaken the bear like you mentioned uh, in the pre-show i totally forgot about that one vorak battle horns i have that in here as well it you know they can't be double blocked and the equips for one gives them trample i'm kind of iffy on this because a lot of the a lot of the infect creatures have lowish power and the battle horns don't um give it any sort of buff any sort of pump anything like that but uh extra extra trample outlets is totally cool with me rancor satessin training all that good stuff um i'm just jamming as much possible trample even if i can only trample over for one damage that is completely fine and sort of pulling double duty that trample works really well with my commander that can give my creatures death touch so if i can you know and that's at instant speed too. That's it's not a tap ability. It's just um, one a green and a black colon target creature you control with toxic gains death touch till the end of turn. So I can do it for as many times as I have mana, and you know if I can take out their big creature or a creature and get one or two extra points worth of of combat damage over, maybe that'll equal more poison counters, more toxic damage, that sort of thing. Um, and then outside of that, I'm just I'm taking all of those poison counters to the bank like like noise marine had a big old fat wad of mono red cash in his hand i'm taking all these poison counters to the bank hopefully cash them in and i'm just i I literally just am gonna jam in about every proliferate spell that's available in black and or green at common into the deck and we're just gonna sort of see how it plays out some of them are not great but you know we had a some of the older ones are not great. We got a bunch of good ones with all will be one uh, that are a little cheaper from um, from what we're used to paying. 
Uh, I think I have 11 total proliferate spells in here. Most of them cost 2 to 3 damage. Or, oh my god, 2 to 3 damage. 2 to 3 mana. Uh, Whisper of the Dross is nice and cheap. It's the 1 mana. Just target creature gets minus 1, minus 1. It's an instant, but it's 1 mana for basically proliferate. And that's fantastic. Thirsting Roots is the same way. It's a sorcery. You can proliferate or you can go fetch up a basic land if you absolutely need it. But I'm more looking at the proliferate. Uh, then we got like Smell Fear. Just straight up two mana proliferate, and then one of your creatures fights another creature, which is also fantastic with Death Touch, because those big creatures on the opposite side of the table are going to be coming at you. Um, hopefully, you can scare them off by having open mana. Yeah, frequently. <laughs> hopefully, your open mana will scare them off, um, so they don't want you to turn on the Death Touch, but more than likely, they're going to be trying to take you out, so... Um, Carnivorous Canopy sort of functions as removal and proliferate because it's not modal. You just get it. You can destroy a target artifact, enchantment, or flying creature if its mana value is three or less, which isn't great, but that's the option we have. And then you proliferate. So one of my favorite, actually, that I run in many decks, and it's just straightforward. It's just Courage in Crisis. It's a three-mana sorcery. You put a plus one, plus one counter on a target creature, and then you prolif uh, proliferate. It's clean, simple. Uh, I don't enjoy that it's a sorcery, but uh, it does exactly what you want it to do, and it does it all the time. There's no um, conditions to meet. It just does the thing that you're expecting it to do. So uh, even even a few of the creatures from All Will Be One proliferate, like Blight Belly, Blight Belly Rat. When it dies, it proliferates. Copper Long Legs, you can sacrifice it to... Pro pro oh my god, I'm having trouble with that. To P, to capital P, you can sacrifice it to do mm -hmm. that. Uh, Adaptive Spore Singer, all that kind of stuff. So there's a handful of proliferate effects and creatures, spells, all that kind of good stuff in here. And that's pretty much the plan. I mean, my creatures are going to die, and they're going to die often. But I need to get at least one poison counter on each opponent. So that's where the trample comes in handy, like I said earlier. Even if... I can only trample over one damage. That's one infect damage. That's one poison counter. That's all I need. You know, then I can put, then I can start trying to put the cinder block on the gas pedal if it were, you know, mm -hmm. as it were. So, uh, that's pretty much it. I tried to drag that on as long as possible, but that's really it. That's my whole, uh, that's how I profit from the whole thing. Liam, how does your profits look? Yeah, uh, so, turns out when you have three lands that tap for seven mana, you get mm -hmm. big heckin' chonkers. <laughs> you, <laughs> you certainly do. <laughs> the thickest of the big heckin' chonkers. Yeah, yep. this deck is running the top of the curve in the entire format. I have both Depth Charge Colossus and Hand of Emrakul. Because when they really cost five lands instead of nine lands, it's pretty good. Mm -hmm. That is I've pretty good. I've also got Ulamog's Crushroom, uh, Merit, Maelstrom, Colossus, and Eldrazi Devastator because those all have keywords that let them get through. When you get down to right. seven mana, the, the, the more free ones, they're not actually free because these ones have colored costs. I chose uh, Geoseco Serpent because of the high artifact count, Mirashell Crab because of the ward uh, and the alternate uses as a, as a uh, channel ability, and Spined Megalodon mm -hmm. because it's just a solid attacker. <laughs> like a 5-7 with Hexproof. Sure. That scries like that's yeah. just solid. She's so I call that card smiles. Smiles, and she's <laughs> unreasonably thick. So big, so big, so big. Yep, yeah. This is I. I don't ever. Ha I. I don't run it in every single blue deck, but the I think I 
have it in two decks and I don't ever mind it being in my hand if I've got the mana to pay for it. Like I don't feel silly casting it. Like it's just a gigantic beast. So massive. Can can cause fear. And it's yeah. unkillable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. It I PDH doesn't have board wipes that can do seven damage. No. That's impossible. Nope. No. You just, you yeah. you literally just And it's hexproof. Yeah. And it just yeah. oh, God. It's such a good card. Yep. That's it. It's pretty good. Plain and simple. I like spending seven mana from three lands to get gigantic creatures. Seems pretty straightforward. I was looking at your list. Yeah, you've got a yeah, Hand of Emrakul, Maelstrom Colossus, Mirror Shell Crab. Yeah, that's beautiful. Beautiful. All right. Well, that's all of our profits. Um, Dave, how are you going to not run out of gas when you're slinging 30 mana worth of spells every turn? It's really hard to do. That's this deck's <laughs> biggest problem. Like... Sure. Yeah. We, we in the last pillar we said everything happens so much. Once everything happens so much. Once one time, like that's <laughs> when you're playing this deck, you're gonna have one just catastrophic turn, and then you're done. You're out. <laughs> like that's yeah. Game over. Um, sometimes you're ideally, if I remember correctly, you're killing all the opponents in one turn. Sometimes, right? I mean, like, is that the is that the goal? Is that the plan? My my goal is to have a catastrophic turn and do like you know sixty damage, and mm-hmm. then die. <laughs> like that's that's the ideal <laughs> game with the noise marine. Just threaten everyone. Okay, cool. Like make make everyone at the table piss themselves a little bit, and Just then a tiny bit, and then yeah. they kill you, and you're like, that's that's perfect. That is that is Worth the it. ideal Worth outcome. It. Uh. Sometimes sometimes the 60 damage turn happens late enough in the game that it just kills everyone instead and the deck like accidentally oh, gets a okay. win. I see what you're saying. Yep. Uh but like I I'm trying to do it fast. Like I want the 60 damage turn to happen on like turn 7. Sure. So it doesn't kill everyone and then I die. <laughs> on very right. rare occasions I have managed to do this the the big damage turn like twice. Uh mm-hmm. it's hard to do but it is possible. The best way to make sure that happens is to it's not actually a deck building trick. There's a little known little known trick you can use and that is just take a train to North Carolina and get into the Pal Studio where everyone plays with Howling Golem. I that's a good that's, tip. I like it. That's the number one strategy for not running out of gas. Just be in the Pal yep. Studio. Uh, because it turns out <laughs> secretly they all love taking sixty damage from Noise Marine, and they will just enable that all day, every day. It's <laughs> genuinely beautiful to see. Nice. If you don't have access to the Pal Studio, you have to run basically every source of card advantage you have in Mono Red, which uh, looks like a lot of Ren's resolves and reckless uh, impulse impulses. Mm-hmm. are really good sources of card advantage and then and then you start scraping the bottom of the barrel and you get into uh goblin researcher <laughs> is ter- yep, i had to look that one up yeah terrible but good enough for this deck um <laughs> uh, i've already mentioned electric revelation that's actually really good for this deck but things like um the other spells that will discard and draw and then make treasures so the mm-hmm. big score pirates plunder unexpected windfall those are all really solid for the deck because they're going to let you do things with your hand and also they're going to generate mana on future turns for you. So you can sort of keep the treasures around and then have a big storm turn with those treasures. Um, so they're doing double duty there. The deck is desperate enough for card advantage that 
based on these like four or five discard outlets, mm-hmm. I'm main decking Revolutionist. Okay. Which sure. doesn't always work, but sometimes it does work. And when it does, like the 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 deck is a dice roll every time. When it does work, it right. feels really good. Because right. the Revolutionist has madness, and you can... It's, it's, it's a madness card with card advantage. And, like, when that comes together, and you can, you know, cascade into the big score, discard Revolutionist, get back Pyretic Ritual, or, or uh, on a real good turn, get back Mana Geyser. Like, oh, then, there, there you go. Now then you're, you're cooking. in business. Then you are cooking yeah. with rocket fuel. Uh <laughs> So yeah, sometimes it comes together, all the pieces, and you just you hit that sixty damage turn, and it's amazing. Sometimes you just run out of gas, and there's you've you've earned it. Like you you run out of gas because you had a sixty damage turn, and like that's okay. That's a good reason to be out of gas. Like, oh, you don't, absolutely. You don't that, need to do the, the sixty damage okay turn to break the pillar and yep. still do things on the next turn. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, you, you do the best with what you got, and it sometimes is enough, and sometimes it's not, and that's okay. And I think that's just the, um, it, it's okay because that's like the, the concept of the deck, the theme of the deck, if you will, that's, yeah. that's how it is. Like it's going to work or it's not, but it's going to be explosive either way. Yeah. It's going to be catastrophic for me or you, but someone is going down. It's really chaotic. And I, yep. I love it. The noise brain came from the chaos Marines, uh, deck, the, the 40 yeah. K deck, which has a lot of cascade themes in it. And it just does. The the cascade the the chaos of it is really well embodied in this card I think where it's just it's it's out of control and you can kind of you can try to aim it but like mostly it's just a cinder block <laughs> on a gas pedal. Yep, that's it. You hope it goes straight. Yep. Awesome. Oh, okay, so we're here. Where are we at here? Pillar three had it not run out of gas. This is one of the this rot priest deck. The more I think about it, and I've sort of play tested it a little bit and played against it a few times. This feels like a deck where you're straight up really normally really good draw spells in black, like your Deadly Disputes, Village Rites, that kind of thing, uh, Sign in Bloods, Read the Bones. They aren't, I don't know how to say this correctly, they're not as good in a deck like this because a lot of those times those cards are just, you're just digging deeper. You're digging uh, just to refill your hand or you might be digging for something specific, but you're not know, you don't know if you're going to get it. Um, what I'm thinking here is because my creatures are going to die so often, so regularly, like they're going to be in combat all the time, even if they're not being hit with targeted removal or sweepers or what have you, they're going to be in combat every single time they're they're available to attack. So they're going to die a lot. So what I like in this deck is more of the recursion type draw spells like um, Death Denied, uh, Blood Fountain. You know, things like Raise the Draugr, that'll get two creature types back from your graveyard. Uh, Return from Extinction is kind of the same thing. So I like, and, and I'm not saying I don't, I'm not using Village Rites and Deadly Dispute. That's totally fine. If someone's going to target one of my creatures with a bolt, sure, I'll sacrifice it to draw cards. But I'm not using those draw car, card draw spells as just sort of like generic good stuff. I'd rather be selective with what I get back. And basically, you know, when you're getting back two Phyrexians from your graveyard, that's I mean, that's a draw, too, but it's in a deck like this, it's a little bit better because you get to pick and choose which ones you get back. It's uh, draw two threats. Draw two threats, exactly. And because you can sort of 
tailor which ones you get, you may be able to deploy those the same turn you get them from your graveyard. Um, I was looking at it earlier. Yeah, I have 21 Phyrexians in this deck. So things like Raise the Draugr, that that is definitely enough. And then um, uh, what was the other one that gets back two of the same type? Return from Extinction. Re- Return from Extinction. Yep, Modern Horizons 1. Same thing. I mean, yeah, Deadly Disputes are great. Sign and Bloods are great. But if I can get back the exact two creatures that I need, maybe I need a Flyer. Maybe I need one you know, with Reach or what have you. Like uh, I can get back the... Uh, copper long legs after I've sacrificed it to proliferate I can cast it again block something the next turn maybe sacrifice it to proliferate again like there's so much value to be had in these recursion spells I'm not running any like straight up reanimation spells uh, although I thought about it I don't think any of my creatures are worth I don't think there's any one creature in this deck that's worth a dread return that's worth you know potentially sacking three other creatures or spending five mana on I mean maybe it might take some play testing but it's only four mana that's what's really nuts about it. Oh yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Four mana. In addition Sorry, to I was looking a at my, uh, it's also just. I was looking at my scrap trap. Better than when I said five mana. Yeah. So honestly, that's pretty much how I'm going to keep my hand full. I'm not going to run out of gas because I'm hopefully, as long as my graveyard stays intact, I should be able to continually uh, pull whichever creatures I want to out of my graveyard, along with my deadly disputes and village rights and that sort of thing. Um, I got a couple green combat tricks that draw a card, like Satessin's Training will put a card in my hand. Um, I was just looking at the one, and I play it everywhere, and I totally forget. Smell Fear, not Smell Fear. Uh, poison the Blade, give the creature Death Touch, and you draw a card. Just incidental card draw like that is really good in green. I always find that I, I like that quite a bit. And then uh, I mentioned it earlier, but, you know, these creatures, I've got to try to get them in every combat, you know, trampling combat tricks are going to be at a premium in this deck so they're going to die a lot but if they don't that's great and yeah that's pretty much my plan here is just to throw them to the wolves throw them at my opponents and see what happens and worst comes the worst i just spend two mana to get two of them back and recast them and try all over again it helps a lot that you can give them death touch Mm -hmm. a lot of them can become death touches so that when you throw them at your opponent uh, like them dying in combat is they're gonna take someone with them. Yes, like they're, they're not absolutely. they're not dying alone in combat, which mm-hmm. I mean it's which it's, is your stuff is still the, dying, but like you're gonna oh, yeah for sure. There's a war of attrition happening, and when raise the Draugr gets involved, I mean it, I, some sometimes the war of attrition is against a token deck, and you're gonna lose it. Yeah, sometimes right. if people are <laughs> if people are blocking with their like you know utility creatures, then. Yeah, it creates uh, some real awkward situations. That's one of the things I really like about the Rot Priest just as a design. I mean, yeah, it's got the toxic and all that kind of stuff going on, you know, uh, poison counters or whatever. But, like, it creates those awkward situations to where your opponent's thinking, like, do I want to block his 1-1 with my awesome, you know, whatever ETB creature or whatever that I just cast you know, and risk that he death, you know, kills it with death touch, or do I take a poison counter? Like, what situation is better here? And sometimes there's just not a good, neither one of them are a good option. Yeah. So I like that it pre- presents those sort of scenarios. And sometimes it's obvious, sometimes they won't get through, sometimes they always have the answer, which just happens. But every combat, there's going to be something going on where incidentally one of your creatures will get through, or your opponent really needs to save 
their blocker so they won't block. You know, they really need to save their good creatures so they won't block you, and they'll just hope that you don't poison them out before you die, that sort of thing. So it's not hard to get counters. It's just hard to keep your creatures alive. Yeah. That, I've never... I've actually never played with an Infector Poison deck in PDH, but that, that kind of thing mm-hmm. would sometimes happen to me uh, years and years ago when I played the Vyashana Slaughtermaster deck. Mm-hmm. Like, I would attack with it, and people would be like, oh, that's a really big threat. It's going to deal me a lot of damage if I don't block it. But but I really need this creature, so I'm just going to take it this one turn. And I would be like, oh, no. It's 16 damage <laughs> this one turn. Like, you don't you don't get another. And they're like, uh, it was a calculated risk. But I'm bad at math. Oh. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> but I'm bad at math. <laughs> oh, yep. So you'll run you'll run into a bunch of those scenarios, and it's it's fun. It's it's one of those that, like, you just tap all your creatures, and you just tell the, your opponents to figure it out. You know, let me know when you figure out what you're doing, and then go from there. Uh, I think uh, Pillar 3 for, for Demir is probably pretty straightforward. But Liam... What do you got? Yeah, uh, like you said, I'm in Demir. I've got blue. I've got black. I kind of just do whatever I want to do. I've, yeah, mm-hmm. I've got lots of card draw, and that's sort of that's perfect too because that's like the Tron mentality. Right. I've, I've got lots of card draw. I've got the ability to add tutors to my deck if I really wanted to. I have my commando that tutors for whatever I need. Like, like I don't just have to use my commando just to go get Tron lands for zero mana. Like, I could, I could, sure. you know, effectively cycle my three mana card draw spell for three mana removal i could cycle the second two mana untap spell in my hand for two mana removal like i i can right at at later stages of the game i can kind of use my commando at will to go get what i need so it's kind of hard to run out of gas as long as you got cards in hand right which uh blue and black do really well awesome That sounds good. Yeah, sounds that's very true. You know, I just realized um, Raise the Draugr and Return from Extinction, I've actually got three insects in my deck. So I get two insects back. It's true. You can get, you can get back a Swamp about. Mosquito. Yeah, Plague Stinger, Swamp Mosquito, and a Persistent Siphoner. I didn't realize that was an insect. Oh, yeah, yeah cool. it is. Is Pit Scorpion Sweet. not an insect? It's probably a scorpion, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Bummer. Yeah. Yeah. Can't have everything, I guess. Alas. Alas. Yeah, it is. Creature type, scorpion. Uh, all right. On to probably probably one of the most important pillars of a magic game, because you don't want to die. I mean, it happens, but you don't want to die. So uh, how are you not dying, Dave? Oh, I'm dying. <laughs> oh. Yeah. No, I'm just going to die. Uh <laughs> There's there's nothing defensive in this deck. Nothing zero cards will will stop you from getting beat to death. Uh you... and people might think you're joking, but like we made these show notes <laughs> hours ago and it says pillar 4 how to not die. And the first line says the first little point says A Dave wants to die. I, w- I want to die. There's <laughs> I'm not I've put zero <laughs> effort into stopping this outcome. No, you just Well, yeah, if the cinder blocks on the gas pedal, you're not touching the brakes. Right. Like, there there are no that's brakes. That's not how it works. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> Uh, they're just not you built. Take the brake pedal out to make room for um, more blocks. So, like the the deck, technically, it is possible to send noise marines damage at a creature. I think that's illegal, but you're you're. <laughs> I mean, it's it's illegal in the sense that like if you do it, I will Kool Aid Man through your wall and berate you. Sure, uh, but you're, like within the rules of Magic: The Gathering, it's allowed, but discouraged. 
Right. Uh, like there are other removal spell like fling, uh, is there to sacrifice noise marine and deal three damage to someone's face. Mm-hmm. You could send that three damage to a creature if you were crazy. Demon bolt, I think, is the only burn spell that has to hit a creature. Everything yeah, else I was just is looking at that like th- uh, thunder thunderclap is oh a thunderclap creature is creature well. yeah okay. okay yep yeah everything in the deck is designed to go to face yep but there's a thunderclap and a demon bolt and then. Uh, I guess Mind Goblin, after you've played it for the mana, you can use that to block. Sure. That's that's yeah. it. I like it. I know you had to dig deep to find some reasons to uh, have some things to not uh, die. This pillar was a struggle works. for me. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it's great. I think it's great. Like, pillar three for Demir was just like, I'll just do whatever I want to do. Right. And pillar four for Noise Marines, like, I, I'm going to die. Yeah. I kind of want to. Like, bring it on. Let's go. All of my affairs are in order. I've uh, yeah. <laughs> I've had my sixty damage turn. Like I've gotten what I wanted out of this game. I'm I'm ready for the consequences of that. Yeah, bring it on. Oh, awesome. Uh, mine's a little more complex than that, but not not like super convoluted or anything. Uh, basically, I just need to get as much toxic combat or infect combat damage as possible, and then just proliferate the rest. Because once. And I know from being an opponent of the Rot Priest deck that once you get hit once or twice by a toxic creature, you don't want to get hit by them anymore. So you're you're taking out these creatures. You'll throw blockers in front of them. You'll do whatever it takes to get rid of those pesky little uh, Phyrexians. So that's where all the proliferates come in. And then, you know, if I attack Alcadron and I lose more than half of my creatures, I still have to deal with Liam on his turn attacking me. So I need to be able to find ways of dealing with opponent's creatures as well as building up the uh, poison counters on them, on the uh, opponents. So um, th- obviously Crypt Rats is excellent in here. Crypt Rats with Tainted Strike is like a gross level of excellent in here because those two cards are just a win con together. Like You can just... um kill everybody <laughs> as long as they're at least one poison counter higher than you are i love that like i, I shouldn't so gross i feel awesome i feel dirty for being excited about it but i am pretty excited about it and i think it's exciting because in a deck like this your opponents should expect that you have those cards in the deck yeah like if you're running just like this generic you know mono black deck you know passageway seer or whatever like they're not going to expect crypt rats with tainted strike necessarily not that it couldn't be in there but they're not really going to expect it but in rot priest yeah you should probably expect that that win con is going to be in here um and also a few ways to take out opponents creatures especially the pesky ones the flyers because golgari black and green have trouble with flyers um viridian longbow you know if i can give a creature one of my creatures death touch or give it to give it to one of my wither creatures if there's really an an opponent's creature that's bugging me i can just ping it for one and kill it or uh drop you know uh, one damage on it or what have you um or hit or hit the opponent hit the opponent straight in the face with the longbow because it's the creature that's doing the damage so there's my infect there's my poison counter right there that i can start uh proliferating upon and then uh, you mentioned this in the show in the uh pre-show which i didn't have in the deck but it's serrated arrows mm-hmm that's awesome in a proliferate deck. I had not even considered that. It's great. It's really high quality removal. Yeah, for those, it doesn't get a whole lot of play, but uh, for those who don't know, it's four mana for an artifact. Uh, when serrated arrows enters the battle, or serrated arrows enters the battlefield with three arrowhead counters on it, at the beginning of your upkeep, if there are no arrowhead counters on it, you sacrifice it. 
Uh, you can tap, remove an arrowhead counter, and put a minus one, minus one counter on target creature. Uh, minus one, minus one counters are awesome to proliferate. I don't know what else needs to be said. You can Sounds proliferate the minus one, minus one counters and the arrow counters. And the arrow count. Yes, thank you. Yes, absolutely. So you just once you cast it, you're never going to get rid of it unless exactly. someone blows it up. Yep, that's slick. I'm so used to it. It didn't even occur to me because I'm so used to uh, when I do play this card, it's usually in some sort of flicker deck, and I can just like reset it. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I don't think I've ever played it in a proliferate deck. That's very clever. I like that quite a bit. My my first ever deck was Gilder Baron, and mm-hmm. that was like most of my removal suite. <laughs> Because I could use the Gilder Baron. With serrated arrows? Yeah. You could use <laughs> the Gilder awesome. Baron to double the counters on the arrows so I never ran out. And every time I put a mm-hmm. counter on a creature, I could double that until it was dead. Clever. I like that quite a bit. I got I got mileage out of that serrated arrows. Oh, I believe it. It's really powerful if it goes unchecked. Because usually, I don't know the last time that I saw serrated arrows being played in a deck where they were just like, oh, it's got no more arrowheads. I got to sacrifice it. Like someone's always resetting it or like you said, maybe proliferating it. Like it never goes away. Exactly. Completely persistent. And it's totally annoying. It's just a combat trick as well. Like if you're like, I attack you with my two, two and they block with a two, three, you're like, well, in response, what if your two, three was a one, two? (laughs) Yeah. Cause it doesn't, you know, Activate only as a sorcery does not apply here. Right. It is instant so. speed activations. It's a combat trick removal that's repeatable. It's kind of yep. gross. And proliferatable. Yeah, it's fantastic. So uh, that's going to, I imagine that's going to do some pretty serious work in a deck like this. So um, I just need to rely, I need to trust that my death touchers will do their job. I will, I have to rely that my infectors or my toxic creatures will do their job. And then the rest is on me to sort of like try to stay alive while I proliferate my opponents out of the game. That's pretty much it. Uh, what are we got here? Pillar four. How is how does Tron stay alive? I know how like mono green Tron stays alive because they can weather the storm for sixty or whatever. But like, how does Demir Tron not die? Liam, control. That's it. I just control? I got okay. control elements. Solid. I've got counter spells. I've got removal spells. I've got card draw that'll help me get there. The tutoring aspect on the commander, again, once you get to the late game, you can just kind of tutor for what you need. Same kind of deal as not running out of gas. As long as you've got cards in hand, see, I like that. you should, you should be good to go. I, I like that about your commander is, I, I mean, it, it's in Demir, obviously, but like, you know, if you spend the first three untaps to get your Tron lands, you still have the rest of a decent Demir deck to go get. Yep. I like that. I like that quite a bit. Yeah, and I, I think that anyone that's like serious about voting this list, you'll you'll probably have to do a couple play tests, kind of uh, refine some pieces sure. that are in it. You know, the, I'm sure there are areas that you could limit more in exchange for more card draw. Like, you could probably limit the number of untappers and tappers, as long as you're adding in card draw slash removal spells that have the same mana values. That way, you could swap them as needed. Mm-hmm. As long as you're keeping like the repeatable tappers on tappers, uh, the deck as is, the only real protection it's running is counter magic. But there's actual like protection spells you could be running in, in instead to to keep disciple on the field. Just a couple right. little things like that. But yeah, yeah, like you have 18 mana value two yeah. cards. Like I'm sure there's something you could swap for something else. You have 15 mana value three cards. You have four mana value eight cards. Like there's stuff that you could be swapping in and out depending on the situation. Yep. Exactly. And I think that's really cool. It's you don't often see that kind of versatility. De- that yeah, the that versatility. Toolbox. I almost said toolbox, yeah. but versatility, yeah. 
is a really good turn for it. You don't see that a ton in PDH, and I just think that's really cool. Like, you're doing your thing, you know, by turn, whatever, four or five, you've got your Tron assembled, and now you're just controlling the game from there on yep. out. So I think that's really, really clever way to do it. And I know you were excited about it, too. Like, normally for our 3x3 three three episodes, you sort of, like, promoted on Twitter, like, hey, we're recording tonight, you know, blah, blah, blah. This is... But you, like, posted the deck list, and you're like, look what I'm doing. Like, you were actually pretty uh, pretty pumped up well, about this deck. I posted the deck list to the patrons, not not to the general public yet. Mm-hmm. No, not the deck list. You just said, like, you, you tweeted uh, yeah, yeah. or whatever. Like, you're like, Demirtron. <laughs> and then Paul had to go in, like, 30 seconds, guess who the commander is. It's like, come on, Paul. I know. He's... <sighs> He's just, just like gotta that be old Paul. I know. Oh, awesome. I think that pretty well covers this uh, Axis of Evil, this trifecta. Dave, you got anything to add? When do you decide that you want to play an Axis of Evil deck? Is it a mood? Is it like I... you, you, you want to play, but you don't want to play for real long? Like <laughs> When do you decide that you want to bring Noise Marine to the table? Uh, f- frequently, honestly. <laughs> like it's Okay. The the play patterns, like sometimes you make a deck and you're looking at the deck and you're like, I I know exactly what's going to happen every mm-hmm. time I take this deck out. And it's very sort of predictable and it's very like linear. The, it follows the same kind of lines every time. Like Noise Marine, right. if you want something that's unpredictable, something that's going to make you like think really hard while also like being completely brain dead about your targets, like... Mm-hmm. That if that's the experience you're looking for, the Noise Marine is the deck for you, <laughs> and I want that like constantly. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> the Noise Marine deck is currently in North Carolina with the Pals. If you want to see them pilot it, you'll have to talk to them about it. But I, yeah, I left them. I'm the... Sure, they would be happy to oblige. Yes, they they're a big fan of the Noise Marine as well. I mean, honestly, like, what's not to love? Like, yes, it it, it is a complicated deck. There is a lot of moving parts and a lot of math and stuff, but you're right. If you're just in for something explosive and chaotic and a type of deck that most players don't ever get to see, it's perfect. I, I, I maintain that this is the the only like really dedicated storm deck in PDH. I don't I don't think that there are other commanders in PDH that do storm. Mm-mm. No, I, like you have to specifically be you know is it or whatever and yeah. like dedicate you know ninety eight of your ninety nine cards to doing that. Like I, I think that there are other decks that spell slinger really well, and I enjoy those decks a lot. And I think that there are decks that combo, and some of those combo decks yeah. end with a grape shot finisher. But I think that, I think that noise marine is is the most pure like storm deck that's just going to rack up a big storm count. And I guess you you could make an argument for wither bloom, and then like you know oh, trying to just yeah. chatter the squirrel. Sure, sure, sure. But. Mm-hmm. But I don't like Witherbloom, so I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with it. <laughs> Noise Marine. Noise Marine is the purest expression of a storm deck there in PDH. Go. I'm gonna I'm gonna that's that's my claim. Yep, I, I I'll back you up on that one. I believe it. What do you think, Liam? How do you feel about your deck overall? It seems like you actually kind of want to play it. It it seems different. Is is yes, it's kind of where mm-hmm. I've landed. It seems different, and I don't know how to feel yep. about that. It, it looks coherent on paper. Like, I don't want to say it looks good on paper because I don't know if it'll actually play out to right. be good, but it looks coherent. It, it looks, looks functional. It, it looks. It, it definitely it has looks. a look. 
Awesome. Um, yeah, I think for Rot Priest, I'll probably end up putting it together at some point just to have it in paper to say, just to have an Infect deck in my collection. Like, if I do Infect, I don't want it to do, I don't want it to be like Hyper Infect or anything like that, like super crazy. The Rot Priest deck is easily disruptable. <laughs> you know, you lock down the Rot Priest for whatever reason. It's um, the deck kind of semi doesn't function. Uh, if they can keep your creatures under control, the deck really doesn't function. Like, there's only maybe one or two spells. There's at least one, maybe two spells that give them poison counters, not through combat damage. So you'd have to rely on those. Like, it's a whole thing. It's really easy to interact with, but that's I'm okay with that because it's infect. Like, I'm just I'm just fine with that. So, um, seems like something I'll probably put together just to have in my collection, play a couple times here and there, and just add to as we get. Um, I guess we're probably not going to get a whole lot more infect or toxic, but as we get more pieces, you know, add them to it or more proliferate spells, that sort of thing. I, I oh, really like that particular dynamic of the rot priest because I feel like, I feel like there's this sort of like reaction where if someone sits down at a table with a, with an infect deck, like everyone panics <laughs> and there's this, there's yes, this big sense exactly. of like, oh no, like the, the, get em. the villain is here yes, and like, exactly. It, it's a very strong deck, but like like Brad just said, it's super beatable. It's very mm-hmm. disruptible, and like it's not like the the it's full of tricks, but they're exactly the tricks you were you know are coming. Yeah. So like if you yeah. get, if you get blown out <laughs> by the predator strike, uh, because you were trying to be really aggressive about your blocks, like. You you knew the predator strike was there. Like it's not. Yeah, exactly. Right. So like I feel like it's a really, I think it's a really fun kind of like villainy. Like it's a it's a great like challenge to overcome in a game, or or mm-hmm. to die not overcoming. Like yep. I I see a lot of people getting really salty about poison counters, and I don't like I don't understand that. I think it's I think it's super fun to play against Rob Priest decks. It is. I, I I agree to you, and that that was one of the um, deciding factors on picking this particular commander over Flux Channeler. Is just I've played against it, and it is super fun. You're right. It's the the player sits down and they're like, oh, I'm playing Rot Priest, and you're like, cool. It, on a certain level, the table has an arch enemy. You know, we have a villain, like you said, but at the same time, we all sort of know that okay, it's Rot Priest. It's not like this hyper infect combo thing. You know, unblockable creatures and all this crazy stuff. Like it's just sort of a Golgari creature deck that has Infect. And it's easy to play against, it's easy to play with, and easy to interact with, and all that sort of thing. So, and like you said, if you lose to it, there's nothing to be salty about, because you probably lost to some limited, you know, some draft chaff, <laughs> some draft combat tricks. Exactly. I am totally cool with that. That's how I like my Golgari decks anyway. Uh, on one occasion, I had the privilege of playing a Noise Marine deck against a uh, Rot Priest deck. And mm. uh, it was a three-player game. I think I think the third player was Whales on Replication Specialist, maybe. Okay. And there was a lot of weird political dynamics going on because it was a three-player game with a rock deck, <laughs> and like there was a lot of like things were going a little crazy. Uh, yeah, sure. A lot of removal got pointed at the Rot Priest's creatures, and he was he was like on the verge of being out of gas. Like he didn't have a lot left to go on, mm-hmm. and so sure. I. Following that event, I had a big noise marine turn, and I pointed 12 damage at Wales's face off the noise marine. Mm-hmm. 
and the tainted strike player responded with tainted strike. Oh no! <laughs> so I just accidentally killed whales out of nowhere, <laughs> and then and then the front priest player and I were both just kind of like staring at each other out of gas, like, "Well, now what? Like, we don't Uh-oh. have hands or boards." <laughs> at the time, uh, you know, I, I mentioned that uh, free spells are really good. This is a, a yeah. an earlier prototype draft of Noise Marine that was running all of the suspend cards, like Kelvin Halberdier and Plunder. Mm, to get those free cast, yeah. Right, because, you know, if they're in your opening hand and you set them up, you can be like, okay, four turns from now, I'm going to have my big storm turn, and this is just going to be a free spell as part of it. Uh, right. I took them out of the deck because, like, way, like, opening hand, they're outstanding. When you draw into them on turn eight, they're just really bad cards like you're not gonna yeah they're a little less outstanding right you're not gonna set up another storm turn for turn 12 you're just gonna have a dead card in your hand and be sad about it um yeah but in this particular game we were both just out of gas and had nothing left and i just drew into a gargadon and hard cast it and just beat him to death mm. with a seven five. It was I love the Gargadon beats. Gargadon, Fantastic. Gargadon got there. Uh <laughs> but yeah, I I've 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 killed someone with infect in my noise marine deck. It happened. That is fantastic. It was really wild. Like for the story. Like I'm sure yeah. it kind of felt bad or whatever, but like to say that that happened it yep. is pretty cool. It yeah. It's good. It's good times. Awesome. Uh, Liam, did you want to talk about the little extra news we got before or during the outro? Uh, I can do it now, I suppose. Awesome. So, in the PDH realm, we actually have two CPDH tournaments coming up. That is competitive PDH. Uh, the first of which is next Saturday, the 4th of November. It will begin at 4 p.m. Eastern. It is a virtual tournament, meaning it is taking place on spell table, but we are requiring physical paper decks, not Moxfield. It is proper EDH. Uh, there are cash prizes. This is being hosted by Sanctuary, uh, the Sanctuary Open Series. It is their third tournament. You can find them at Sanctuary PDH on Twitter, or you can go to the website sanctuarypdh.com to sign up. Uh, and the other tournament is Common Cause CPDH Tournament. Uh, again, it's another competitive popper. This one is November 11th, so the following Saturday after Sanctuary. Uh, it is being held yep. at 11 a.m. Eastern. Uh, you can go to omgmtg.com to enter, or you can look up the event, again, Common Cause on topdeck.gg. Uh, the event is supporting veterans' mental health. Uh, they are following all standard rules of the format, which means 30 life, 16 commander damage, uncommon commandos, commons in the 99, and Rhystic Study and Mystic Remora are banned. Uh, I believe OMG MTG uh, Chris is hosting, but it looks like he's got a couple of co-hosts alongside uh, uh, getting this thing running. I hope to see cool. both of these events be super successful. Yeah, absolutely. And the... Uh, the notable thing about Chris's The Common Cause Tournament, I, I don't know if you said this, is you can play a Moxfield deck yes. in that tournament. Yes, so for the Sanctuary Open, you cannot play a Moxfield list. It has to be in paper. But for Common Cause, the uh, charity event, you can play a Moxfield list. Yep. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I'm glad to uh, see we're getting more of these events on the regular. Yep. So 
Sweet. So, uh, yeah, I think we'll move on into the outro here after that. Uh, but like normal, a few more things before we wrap it up for the week. If you need more Popper Commander talk or have any questions about the format, you can always email the show at the pdhpod at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram or x slash Twitter or just the PDH pod over there as well. Or uh, ultimately, you can head on over to the PDH home base's website. That'll take you to their Discord server that'll connect you to the entire PDH community. We are all uh, awesome. And you can find Liam and I on X slash Twitter at Popper Command and Popper underscore B, respectively. And as always, you can find Dave as the Alcadron just about everywhere else PDH is being talked about. And all the links to all the social media stuff will be in the show notes, as well as links to uh, the tournaments that Liam just spoke about. So. Uh, I think that's going to wrap up episode 71 of the PDH pod. But before we get out of here, we want to give a big thanks to MTG Brad for letting us use their original music for the show. And from everyone in here to everyone out there, brew a deck, uh, build your own evil empire, I guess. I don't know. And we'll see you in a week. Peace. Cheers. See ya. I was muted the whole time. Oh, no. Sorry. no. Um, <laughs> you do this every time. There it is. Every time I, I sneezed it. and I muted myself like five minutes ago, and then Brad was complaining about trample, and I was answering, and then I was like, "Why isn't anyone <laughs> listening to me?" I brought proper text at the party. Proper. I brought proper text at the party.